and it was in the in the yeah we'll we'll see we'll talk to the gang we might want to next year wait till September it's hard to work on the go in a lot yeah but we were here yeah all right so we are in Matthew chapter 12. you were right excellent that's what notes pretty good so it's been a while let's remind ourselves where we are um i often remind everybody that gospels weren't meant to be read this first or fifth chapter and there's vice versa that will go out no you're fine it um, just has to sorry just has to be a little bit closer this was one that was closer, doesn't matter which one. That's okay. I'll check on myself. All right. Um, so jumping in and out of the gospel, we're, we're used to doing it because that's how we read the, the, the scriptures these days, but uh, that's not necessarily how they were written. And so it's always good to reacquaint ourselves with context. So let's go back to chapter 11 and see we have another one of these long sections of Jesus talking. I wasn't keeping count. I'm not sure which one this is. There are five throughout the book. Um, so remember chapter 11 was uh, Jesus hearing about John being arrested and then talking about John. And then he went on Oh, then he went into a great of the cities where his mighty works have been done because they don't repent. We talk about repentance a lot. And then that beautiful section of come to me all the labor and every lady I'll give you rest. So that's sort of where we left off. Yoking. Yes, that's right. Exactly. All right. So with that context, would somebody read for us chapter 12, verses 1 through 8? I'll do it. Yeah. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And the Pharisees saw it, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. All right. So this section is getting at one of the core teachings of uh, the New Testament. If you look at what the content of the New Testament is, obviously it's about Christ. The Gospels are four different accounts of his life. Um, 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke somewhat similar, John somewhat different. Um, but then once you get to the epistles, you hear St. Paul talking a lot about um, eating meat, sacrifice to idols, circumcision, different things that talk about what is the relationship basically of the Christian to the law of the Old Testament. That's one of the main themes because God was working before Christ came. Everything from creation forward and specifically after um, the time of Abraham, he starts working increasingly with the specific people. We'll call them the people of Israel, the Hebrews. They'll have different names depending on the historical time. By the way, we don't call them Israelis. Do we know why we don't call the Old Testament Israelis? Israelis are now, not then. Israelis are the, the citizens of the modern state of Israel, who many of many Christian uh, traditions identify with the Israelites of the Old Testament. We do not make that mistake. Anyway, um, so you're going to see here in, in chapter 12, he's going to address, begin addressing the relationship of not just the Christian to the Old Testament, but really, in a sense, what the Old Testament was about. He's not going to um, say, okay, well, now things have changed. In fact, we saw back in, I think it was chapter uh, six, five or six, where he said, it was said of old this, but I tell you this. He wasn't getting rid of that, of the Old Testament. He was actually expanding upon it by explaining what that message was always supposed to be. And he was clarifying that. And then now, if there's a change, the only really substantive change is what he's going to do, which he hasn't done yet in the story, in terms of accomplishing salvation. And the fact that that's now open to everybody. Remember we talked about Matthew, one of the um, themes of Matthew is the relationship with the outsider. You remember the, the wise men coming from the East, um, Joseph and Mary taking Jesus to Egypt, there's a lot of outsider interaction. Well, what, what the, the Jews of the time would have considered outsiders. But what Jesus is trying to show is that he's always been, God has always been working for the salvation of the whole world. He did so by working with the people of Israel for a long, long time, hundreds of years, if not longer. Um, but as part of his salvation of the world. What a lot of the Jews misunderstood was that they thought it was all about the law, that the law was primary, not God was primary, the law was primary. And they thought it was always about them, not them as the people who were there to be working with God for the salvation of the world. So that with that as a context, um, the, Jesus is going through um, the grain fields. It's the Sabbath day, and you'll know many, many times um, the Sabbath day is going to be a stumbling block for the people who are following the law and saying the law is primary. It's the Sabbath, and the disciples are hungry, and they begin to pluck grains of heads of grain to eat. Why is that a problem? Especially for the Pharisees. It's against the law. That's their law. But I was going to ask you, too, can you talk about those Pharisees a little bit more? What is their deal? They're the teachers of the law. The they're the teachers of the, are they're the rabbis? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little more complicated in terms of the rabbi. You could be a Pharisee. It's sort of a party, but 
yes, they're the ones that are teaching the law. And where Jesus is going to conflict with them is they're going to elevate the law above God's relationship with his people. And if they're a party, you're not, were they political as well? In a church, well, a religious sense, not a political party. Okay. So there's times when the Pharisees will come to Jesus and say one thing, the Sadducees will say another. What divided them was the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, but the Pharisees did. Okay. So we, we think of Christ, a divided Christianity as something new, where it's, it's a religion and we're all in different parties and we believe different things. That's not new. It's the same way in Islam, it's the same way as it was in Judaism. Um, so the Pharisees are the ones who when Jesus encounters them, it's always going to be their complaint about him is going to be uh, that the law is the prism or the lens that they see everything he does. So when he ends the section, verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, that would have been a very provocative statement because they had elevated the law to the place of God. Now, it's true that the law came from God, but God never intended it to be in place of him. Um, I don't have an Old Testament in this Bible, yeah. but I think it would be helpful if you read the, um, the, is the third commandment. Which one? The, the uh, one keep, about the Sabbath. Yeah, the Sabbath to keep it holy. Yeah, but but it's it's go it go it's pretty strict. Yep. Um, can I ask somebody sure. to look it out? Uh, behind. Yeah. What? Yeah. Just, just to read the, the context of what was in the heads. Of, yeah. So let, let's say it says, don't pluck grains of head on the Sabbath. Right? So let's say it says that. What Jesus is trying to say is that, and this is where legalism has always been a problem for religious people, Jewish, Christian, anybody. The legalist point of view is, well, it says it. The question Jesus is going to say is, well, what's the deeper meaning? What's it there for? Now, that doesn't mean that we just ignore it for ignoring sake. What he's going to show by examples, and he does is talking about David and the temple. He's showing examples of when the law was broken, but it was not considered a bad thing. It wasn't broken just because. It was broken for a reason that Jesus is going to say, Okay, this is not a problem. When he heals people on the Sabbath, for example, they're going to say, well, it's a Sabbath. Let that woman come back another day. Did you find it? I did. Okay. Um, I, although I think in another place it might be. But remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, nor your stranger who sojourns with you. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Mm -hmm. and I, isn't there um, some threat of someplace else, I don't remember where, of not keeping the Sabbath? Well, but, but yeah, your your point is well taken. It's but the, it's there in the law. Don't work on the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus is encountered with the Pharisees, who are going to see this and use as a charge against him, he's going to say, "Which one of you 
one time he'll say, when you're, if your donkey falls into a hole, will you not get it out of the hole? So what's his point? Is his point that the Sabbath doesn't matter? No. 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 What's his point? Like goes on, I mean, there's certain things that need to be taken care of right yeah. now. They can't wait. And and what's primary? If you're Jesus, what's primary? You're helping somebody or you're doing something for good. Yeah, it's it's deeper. It's not like, okay, well, I could do a lot of good on Sunday. Well, that's a good example. I work on Sunday. <laughs> I always joke that we know why on earth she was not orthodox, right? Because nothing is easy on Sunday morning. <laughs> you got to skip your morning coffee. Um, yeah, so his point is um, not to ignore it. He's not, he does, in fact, he said, I'm not going to get rid of the law. He's going to fulfill the law. In other words, when we see Jesus, when we see who he is, what he does, that completes the law. Fulfillment is what completes something. It doesn't throw away what came before. He builds upon it. Builds upon it and completes it to the point where you can't understand the whole story without that completion and fulfillment. Okay. Right? And isn't there in, um, I don't know, Leviticus somewhere, something that says, even if it's a Sabbath, pull your donkey out of the hole? I don't know. My guess is not, only because he uses example of where everyone would not obey the law and it would be considered okay. I mean, it could be, could be right, but my guess is that wouldn't make sense for an example because he's saying, which one of you? So he says to the Pharisees, you do this, right? And of course you're going to do it. No one's going to say, oh, donkey fell. That's too bad it was Saturday. Guess we got to wait till tomorrow. He's saying they would get it out. And he's saying how much more worth is a person than the donkey or whatever else. So this relationship of the old and the new, actually, it, it's still even, I would say, a confusion um, really for all Christians. But it, it's at the heart of a lot of division between Christians. If we tell a evangelical Protestant, come into the temple, because we probably don't call that building on that side of the facility the church. We're the church. That's the temple. We still call it that. That's what the proper name is to call it the temple. They would get a little freaked out. A lot of them would get freaked out by that because, well, the temple was destroyed. The curtain came down. They'll say to us, why do you have an iconostos? The curtain was torn in two. So that relationship old and new is, is still a confusion. But Matthew, as, as part of, of God's revelation, is going to try to correct their view then and our view now. Now, some people would say, well, okay, obviously the law isn't as important as it is. And they would take that and would, I would say, use, use that understanding to change it. Uh, there are Christians, even some Orthodox Christians, not many, but some, that would say, well, we understand sexuality different now. And so marriage should be for any couple, man, woman, two men, two it doesn't, shouldn't matter. Um, look, and they would even quote from here and say, see, look how he treats the law. Well, we're going to not be fooled by that because what he's doing can't go against it. It has to fulfill it. In other words, it has to not elevate the law higher than God. It has to put the law back in its place 
as a means of God at the time, primarily through the law. There's, there's a prayer we have, I can't remember, as it says, um, at one time you revealed yourself um, in the law and the prophets and now face to face. So whatever is going to happen now has to bolster not the law, but God's relationship with the people through the law that they misunderstood. And now he's going to say to us, here's what I've been trying to say to you all, all through. Yeah. Father Michael. Hang on, just a second. Hang on, just a second. Go ahead. How would you... Um... I'm, let me think about how to formulate, formulate this question. Um, so what should one's attitude be toward the Sabbath as Jesus is trying to demonstrate here? So this is the beautiful thing about what we would call tradition. We don't have to decide in 2022, what's the Sabbath? How do we do it? We have a, a tradition that says, our parents and their parents, their parents. Now, nobody did it perfectly, but we don't have to make it up. Now, if you look at the Christian communities, there's there's two ways to look at what is the Sabbath. Um, because we still have Saturday, which is related to the Sabbath. And some people would say, well, Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday is the day for worship, which is work. Well, that's really more of an of a modern idea for the christians in fact if you look at, at, at older um, countries that have these long-standing traditions greece russia others that saturday is not necessarily a weekend that's more of a a, a modern invention the five-day work week they would still see their day for church as the sabbath they weren't concerned so much with how far you can walk it was, this was the day where you don't do your work. You're not out in the fields, you know, and, and women understand this better than men. If there's a day of rest, you're going to work very hard. Someone's got to feed the crowd, and it's usually not the guys. Once in a while, you know, they'll man the grill, but more often than not, if someone's going to eat, it's the women that have to provide the food. So, and we would say, obviously, we're not going to, we're all going to eat. We're, it's like, okay, what's the Sabbath? No one's going to eat. Um, what's the purpose? The purpose is there's a day dedicated to a rest from your labor to do what? To focus on the, the purpose of everything in life, which is our relationship with God. So for most of Orthodox Christian history, Sunday is a Sabbath. In fact, there's, um, where do we have this? We talk about the transferring. Oh, I know what it is. It's when we talk about it's in Pascha, and it says from the ancient times, the early Christians transferred the dignity of the Sabbath to Sunday, which they saw as the Lord's day, the day of the Lord, and the day which we set aside for worship. It doesn't mean there aren't worship other days of the week. There are. And each one has even some some focus, different focus, focus, foci, focuses, foci. Um, but Sunday is the day that is supposed to be a day to focus on the Lord. And it's interesting, even non-Orthodox Christians 
probably sometimes more than the Orthodox Christians, understood this. You go to church in the morning, you come home, have Sunday supper, you go back for the evening service. <laughs> you know. So we, we would say for the Orthodox, Sunday gets the dignity of the Sabbath, the Saturday is the Sabbath. For the deeper reason of connecting to God, not resting. I mean, it's a day of rest. As hard work as worship is, it's still not plucking the green all day. Renee, you had a question? Oh, I was uh, seeing if uh, I was making a connection. I wanted to check it with you real quick. Um, you were mentioning about the Pharisees, and I was thinking how that relates to um, many evangelicals, how they see sola scriptura, and they're viewing it through the lens of the Bible before everything else God has given us. Is that a, a correct because so many times I would hear before, um, coming from that tradition, um, how they would depict the Pharisees as people of tradition. And actually, it's it seeming like it's in reverse. Like, they're the Pharisees now because they're holding more tightly to one thing instead of the whole thing. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that. Um, our relationship as Orthodox to the Bible is very difficult to describe it is in some ways a mystery like baptism is a mystery and mm -hmm. communion is a mystery on the one hand um we elevate the scriptures whenever you see the gospel taken off the table we hold it up it's held up in procession um if we are going to measure our christian life we do it against the scriptures that's we call it the canon the ruler it's it's the set of measurements by which you measure everything else. Mm -hmm. But I think you're onto something because for the Orthodox, there were hundreds of years before we had that. Mm -hmm. And they still had a very dynamic Christian life to the point where tens of thousands were being killed for their faith. You can't say that was a very superficial faith. But they weren't able to say, okay, is that biblical? And then open up their books. <laughs> I mean, even I would say it's a very modern idea how they treat what is biblical because it means they're going to open up their bible and they're going to page through and find what they've highlighted that's a very not just modern a sense of like the last thousand years that's probably the last hundred years mm -hmm. i think i mentioned um early on uh near our home in kentucky was the the birthplace of abraham lincoln and you can go there and you see a reproduction of, of the cabin he was born in and they have a few items from the family, including the Lincoln Bible. The Lincoln family had a Bible. They were one of the few that had a Bible, but it wasn't like Abe got his own and his dad had one. They, they were lucky to have a Bible. Mm -hmm. But that, even in his day and age, was a rarity. So to even say, well, it's biblical, meaning I've looked at my, I've read my Bible, that's a very new sort of a novel kind of, of thing to do. But I think you're right in the sense that we would refer to the scriptures as much as an evangelical Protestant would, but we're going to see it in, in a greater whole. Because while it's the ruler, the ruler is an important, critical, primary tool in the toolbox, but it's not the only one. Like I said before, we've been living, the Orthodox life has been, uh, has been lived for 2,000 years. So we have, we have precedent, we have what we call, well, we call it tradition, the capital T, 
-hmm. that there's a way of living that Christian life that Christ came and gave in fullness to the disciples. And if you look at how the scripture is written, it wasn't like they picked it up perfectly. You know, if you really, as we read in the scriptures carefully, what you're seeing is how hard it is to live this life that Christ is bringing them. You might think, okay, well, it's Jesus, and it's all about his giving, and it's grace, and he does everything. But you see the, the disciples over and over again bundling it, even to the very end. The, the, this book that we're reading is going to end with, after multiple uh, appearances of Jesus to the disciples, we're going to get to the very last chapter, and Jesus meets the disciples on the Mount of all Mount of uh, um, where is it? Galilee. Um, and the disciples worshipped him, but some doubted. Hmm. That's how the book ends. It's not like they were great at the beginning or they were bad at the beginning, but they got great by the end. Even by the end, they doubted. Mm -hmm. Which tells you the goal is going to be faith. Faith not in a book, faith in a person. Now, the book is key for understanding the person, but it's not exclusive. That's why we're able to say, okay, we look at this in the context of what we see in the lives of the saints, what's been handed to us in the tradition, the sacramental life, the liturgical life. There's a whole context that we can look at this um, and apply it. Um, I get asked all the time, especially with more and more converts, uh, Father, I'm going to go to my parents' house um, the week before Christmas, and they're going to have all kind of meats out. What do I do? What's my advice? Anybody, has anybody ever asked me that question? Anybody here? Yeah, eat it. <laughs> right? Why? Why eat it? Uh, just hospitality, uh, also just fellowship with other people. And that's mm -hmm. much more important to maintain those relationships and also show them your version of like Christianity. And if they see that love and that, that unity in that community, then they might be inspired to learn more about it. But it's also just not to push them away as well. But Whenever I do that, I always do portions, you know, <laughs> I don't overstuff myself. Yeah, good. So you find a way that doesn't disregard the fast, but you don't let the fast be elevated over something that really should be more important, which is the relationship. Yep. So we learn that by reading the scriptures and by, by trying to live that life um, as we go forward. Make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It's not black and white and that's where where orthodoxy it's a challenge in so many ways when people say father how do you handle this in the church how do you handle somebody with this temptation who fell into this sin and my first word is always well it depends <laughs> yes <laughs> because it's all in context yeah well, that in reality it, really it isn't black and white right and that's where Jesus is wading into this gray area here. He's not saying, well, the law doesn't matter. He's saying, look at the order, look at the priority, look at, um, in a sense, what outranks something else. And that's why when he ends it by saying the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, that's, that's really to understand all of this. Verse 7, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. There's a couple key things in there. By saying I desire mercy and not sacrifice, does that mean 
that he's condemning the entire system of sacrificial offerings. That was what was done. No, he's saying mercy outranks sacrifice. Is that meaning that he wants everyone to to show mercy not only to themselves but to others, versus so much focusing on just sacrificial and following the rules? Yeah. So again, he's not disregarding. He's ordering. He's saying this is more important than this. This is more important than this. He's not saying, and this is how we as, as I think we're all Westerners, we kind of want to, we want it black and white. Right? We live in a, in a world where we've been sort of taught for centuries to think in academic black and white, never changing, simplistic ways. And he's saying it's, it's not that. Now, there's still clarity. But there's clarity in a system that is not so simple of, well, they, they pluck rain on the, on the Sabbath, therefore he's not the Messiah. Hmm. Right? Again, remember their, 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 their goal. Their goal is to discredit him because they're seeing him grow in popularity. He's preaching something they don't particularly agree with, they think is wrong. And so he's... He's not overthrowing them. He's not saying, well, there shouldn't be Pharisees, there shouldn't be rabbis. Another good example is when he says, you know, call no man rabbi. Well, he said that at one point, but he didn't also, when somebody called him rabbi, he didn't say, don't call me that. Mm -hmm. right? when, when Mary sees, uh, um, Mary Magdalene sees Jesus after resurrection, mm -hmm. she says, Rabboni, which is that like loving. You know, like uh, Abba is father. Abuna is the Arabic for my father. It's more, it's more of a term of endearment. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a term of endearment. He didn't say, don't call me rabbi. I'm not a rabbi. So he's not discrediting. He's just, he's, he's fulfilling. He's showing how, what, what the proper place of all these things are. Let me read you a couple quotes here. This is on not, not condemning the guiltless. In order to show that this appearance of his work anticipated all the power of things to come, he added, if you understood what the saying means, I want mercy, not sacrifice, you, you would never have condemned the blameless. The business of our salvation lies not in sacrifice, but in mercy. When law is made void, we are saved by the goodness of God. If they had, under, if they had understood the grace of the statement, they would never have condemned the blameless. Nor would they, nor, sorry, they would not have condemned the apostles, whom they were going to call, accuse falsely, out of envy trans, of transgressing the law. When the ancient practice of sacrifice was stopped, the strangeness of mercy became more clearly known. Wait, say that again. When the ancient practice of sacrifices was stopped, the strangeness of mercy became more clearly known. I'm trying to understand that. The strangeness of mercy will be more clearly known. So in other words, he, he's, he's bringing together, he's talking to Jesus' quote of, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Soon after Jesus' life, like within 40 years, the temple is going to be destroyed. Okay. Because the temple is destroyed, Judaism will no longer offer sacrifice. And so Hillary, who's writing, you know, much later than this, is saying when the 
ancient practice was stopped, the strangeness of mercy, in other words, what mercy was strange to the Pharisees. Yes. They're focusing on the sacrifice. And he's saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Right? The sacrifice of the Sabbath don't work, all this stuff. He's saying the strangeness of mercy became more clearly known. If you notice, listen to modern Jewish writers. They sound in many ways very Christian. Something happened after they stopped sacrificing animals where they had to really re-examine what is relationship with God. It's not about what we offer up in, in, in animal sacrifice. So I think that's what, what Hillary is saying here is when that when the sacrifices stopped, what had been strange at mercy became more clear. They became more clear on what mercy was. So you listen to Jewish writers since that time. There's a lot about mercy. Again, Christians assume that Jews don't believe in the forgiveness of sins, that we need Jesus to forgive sins. They don't teach that. They don't believe that. Why? Because they have the Old Testament. You know, if you read, if you read the Old Testament, you'll hear all about mercy. Right? Mm -hmm. Have mercy on me, O oh God. One of the great mercy. That's one of the Psalms. That's David. That's not one of the uh, gospel writers. So he's saying they sort of re recovered that. Um, had this been known, the, the, the clarity of the mercy that would come, had this been known, they would not have thought that the Lord of the Sabbath was confined by the law of the Sabbath. So the Pharisees are going to miss the revelation of Jesus because they're focusing on the law, and I would say their reading of the law rather than what was the law there for? What was the purpose of it? And so they're going to miss it. Here's uh, St. John Chrysostom's take. Dallas, he speaks of himself when he mentions the Lord of the Sabbath. Mark relates a complimentary saying about our common human nature, that the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. So, yeah, if you go back to verse, was it verse 8? The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It would have been blasphemy enough that Jesus would, if he said, I was on the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is using his human title. He's the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So can I... Um try to articulate what I'm picturing here. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's a hierarchy of, uh, of the right things to do. Mm -hmm. And um, the commandment that says keep the uh, Sabbath is lower than Mercy, depending on the context. And I wouldn't say the commandments lower. The the motivation and purpose understanding of the commandment is 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 the motivation. Well, the commandment is there, therefore we have to keep it. Yeah. If that's the highest level, God said it. I do it. That's it. Whatever that bumper sticker says, right? If if that's the highest, then the disciples are wrong for plucking grain. David's wrong for eating the showbread. 
Um, and Jesus is wrong for healing on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So he's not moving the commandment. He's saying, understand the commandment with the right hierarchy. Don't throw it out. It's not like it's worthless. But understand what the commandment's for. If we had to have one, if we had to summarize the purpose of the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. One word, what would it be? The, the highest purpose. To spend time with God or love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. You know, it's that yeah. opportunity. Yeah. There you go. So love. Love is always going to be the highest. In everything we learn in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, it comes out most clearly, and especially not in Jesus' word, well, it's clear there, in his actions. Love is always going to be primary, and love will correct the secondary, third, and fourth, all those other things. It's going to say sacrifice outside of understanding love you're going you're gonna to misunderstand sacrifice. So he's not pushing it down saying it's unimportant. He's saying you'll learn it by the primary quality of it. So in my reflection yesterday, I was trying to say that love is always primary. You're going to misunderstand everything if you put anything above love. And you say, well, normally I would love this person, but this was so egregious or so harmful that I need to apply justice. And I'll get to love later. Well, what if they just did the first part? I mean, that it was a bad thing that they did, but you're not applying justice. You're just avoiding. Are you, are you applying love? Nope. And Jesus <laughs> would say that that's going to be not what he's calling us. I know, but sometimes people are awful hard to love. Uh huh. Especially when you're driving in Grand Rapids. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to see. Really hard people to love. Well, okay? you read what I wrote. Well, yeah, but I'm saying talk about people hard to love. Especially the Pharisees are saying, Oh, your disciples. Yeah. Let them starve, you know. And he's saying, well, Come on. No, he's showing them love by letting them eat. He's showing the donkey the love. Right. You're saving him when he's curing people. It's yeah. all, all and they're gonna keep criticizing him until. They've actually put him on the cross. If they could have driven the nails themselves, they would have oh. done it. They weren't allowed to. So they, they got the Romans to do it. Okay. So forget And then, what did he say? Forget them. For they, well, so they're not really, why did he say that? Why did he say that? Because they, he said that because that's what he wants us to do. Like it's mm, before that, before he wants us to do it, why is he saying, forgive them? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Because he's forgiving them. He why is, is he forgiving them? Because he he's showing them. us the love. But again, did not love the guy in the car next to then me. You got some work to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got some work to do. Well, we all got work to do. We all got work to do. He was probably scared too. I'm not going to love the guy that made a point. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. I'm, kidding. I'm being honest, Father. Good. Be honest. You got room to grow. <laughs> In conjunction with that, though, sometimes you have to separate the act from the person. It's like you, you might love the person, but you don't like or you hate what they did. 
because there's kind of a separation there, I think. In fact, if you love them, you will know that that's not really them. But, but I didn't every know human that guy. Every, well, you don't know, and what do you know? Every human being, if you strip away all of the um, the mistaken identity of who they are and what's important, what's if you strip away all that's false with every single human being, what's left? What picture? Whose picture is left? An icon of God. Yeah, I know that's what you want me. Jesus is yeah. the expression of what a human being is. And every distortion of that is a, um, it says it's, it's a lie, it's a distortion, it's a mistake. We did an exercise with the kids, the, the counselors at the camp when I was the director came to me with an idea and they said, we really, we know this, this is really dangerous to do, but here's what we want to do. They said, we want to pass around paper to all the kids in the group, and we want them to draw the person that they dislike the most oh. and draw a picture of them. A real person? A real person. Oh, I don't get that. So, <laughs> to exclude people that they were in the same group with? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just said, keep it to yourself. Don't tell us who it is. Just draw the person. And as they're drawing, because of people they don't like, they were getting worse and worse about making them look really bad and mean. So we had them draw them all. We said, okay, who wants to go first? Person raised his hand. They took the picture. They put it on a board. They put the board out in front of the group, and they brought out darts. Oh. And they said, you want to throw darts? Yeah, I want to throw darts. They threw their darts. All right, who wants to go next? I want to go next. They took that picture off, and there was a piece of paper on top of the board. And so they took that picture off, had all the holes in it, put the next picture on, dart, 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 and they're all cheering. Yay! Whenever, we didn't make anybody do it. We said, if you want to do it, go ahead. When we were done, we took off the last picture. Then we took off the blank sheet of paper on the board. And guess what was under the board? Jesus. An icon. Oh. I bet those kids screamed. Didn't they? <laughs> they were shook up. Yo, that was mean to do that to Well, them. I really, I thought about it a long time and I thought, do I want an icon poked holes in? But isn't that what we do every time we decide I'm not going to love this person? But that makes your point. It's a concrete mm -hmm. thing instead of something abstract. It had a big impact on the people that, that went through Did that. Did you ever ask them, you know, I don't know how many years ago yeah. this was, what the fruit of that was? They, they, I've never asked, but I have been told, regularly somebody will say to me, you know, that thing we did, I, I, that yeah. still sticks with me. It, it, it gives them pause that before they see somebody just as the ugly, mean, whatever person that deserves to be rejected and hated or whatever, they say, it, I, so many times I have to stop and think who that person really is, not who they are, but what they are underneath all that. Because underneath all that is the creation that God made that's perfectly preserved in the image of Christ. Christ preserves the perfect image of the humanity that God created. And so we say in him, the actually we say about the saints too, 
Um, there's a hymn to the women saints, the women um, ascetics like Mary of Egypt. We say, in you, a mother, the image was preserved to perfection. So the saints, why do why, you know, when we say a prayer, sometimes we pray before this icon and Jesus is in the icon. Sometimes we're in a room where the only icon is of a saint, Saint Raphael. If we're saying our father, are we talking about our father Raphael by praying before that icon? Yeah. How do I pray to God by looking at an icon of Raphael? I know they're asking Raphael to Even more than that. But I'm saying our father, we all I say, let's pray now. We turn to that icon, and that's the only icon. So we look at him. But because of the connection, because of from Jesus, the apostles, mm -hmm. the clergy. Because he bore the image of Christ. So I can pray to God looking at an icon of a saint. Because it, and I'm still praying to God, not the saint. And it, can, it connects you. I mean, it puts you in the frame of mind. You are praying. You're in, among holiness. Right. But I, now I have a question. Okay. <laughs> okay, so remember when we read when Jesus was sending them out to start teaching? And, and he says, if you are not. Well received, leave and take your peace. Shut, take your peace with you. Yeah. Yep. So how can we not apply that to like we're so still supposed to love everybody, but can't if the, if that they're so if they are so hurtful or what you perceive to be hurtful, mm -hmm. can't we just leave with our peace? We, yes, we, he, can, he, he can manage it to. Do I have now? To? If you leave with your peace, P -E -A -C -E, yeah. yes, how do you view that person? Well, <laughs> I know you want me to say that I am loving them. I guess if I stuck around, I would hate them. No, because he told you, keep your peace, keep my peace. Now, when you take your peace away, it's your peace to keep, which right. means no matter what they did. Don't give up your peace. You keep your peace. But then it's okay to go. It is okay oh, yeah. to avoid. It is okay, okay. Well, those are two different things. Not my head. <laughs> <laughs> you can go. You might even avoid, as long as you're avoiding with peace towards that person. In other yeah. words, you're avoiding because it's not healthy. It's not good for it's, either it's of you. It's harmful to, to your own being. It, if you... If you are continuously, and I'm not even talking about the guy that on in the traffic, if if you are around and have to be around people that are hurtful or are snarky, mm -hmm. my my response is to I'm not saying anything back to them, but I leave. So I can keep my peace. So what, what is Jesus gonna say to you about what you do and the disposition that you do it with? He would tell me to leave with my peace, but he's going to still tell me to love those people. And there's where I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't hate them, but you can dislike very much what they do, their actions. Is that so wrong? As long as you love the person. Now, I would separate, say... Se separate the action from the person. Isn't that what you're saying? Yes, but I would say to you, sometimes we do that. We actually make it harder to love them. If you separate that, it's good in the sense that you're not defining them by what they've done. But sometimes if we hate the sin, we are feeding the very sentiment that we want to let go of. And I asked you that before on the way home from Toledo when we went to visit the bishop. I said to you, 
when people are deliberately rude, mean, hateful, say hateful things to another, does that person that delivered the, the nastiness really know that they're being mean? And you said some people do and some people don't. Right. Hurt people hurt people. But sometimes hurt people don't hurt people either. That's true. But I'm saying but my point is that as the Christian, your job is not to judge them. In fact, commanded not to. Not to hate them, commanded not to. Commanded to love them, even Jesus will be very specific, love your enemies. And you could be showing that love by leaving and just yes. staying away. As long as that's really love. As long as you're not, we can say, well, I'm going to leave you because I'm going to love you, but I hate what you did. And I'm still mad at you. And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been discussed. It's just. But I'm saying in the heart. And remember, Matthew is always going to be about what's going on in the heart. That you might say, well, I don't say bad things that person anymore. And we would stop and go, well, I'm doing the right thing. Jesus is going to challenge us as he does in Matthew. But did you forgive them? What's the next three words? From your heart. You can't just say, well, you said you forgive them, but you're harboring whatever, the pain, the anger, whatever. You got to forgive them from your heart. Now, I agree with you. You're not different than the rest of us. This is a very difficult thing to do. It's a very high calling. But it is the calling of a Christian. And when Christians act this way, they do miraculous things. I was in a discussion, I've mentioned to all of you probably different points, this ongoing discussion on race I've had with our neighbor pastors. Um, yeah, we're gonna work on it. But I've told them, you can't, if the Christian church deals with that issue outside of how Christ did, because they were talking about, we gotta fight for justice, we gotta fight for what's right and fair. And I said, that may be part of it, but primarily has to be love. In other words, if if I'm black and I've been discriminated against, my first response has to be love. I might still fight for justice and all the rest, not a problem. But if I'm doing that before I'm loving, now I'm not acting as a Christian. And I, I actually, I was down in Atlanta. I went to the um, Martin Luther King Memorial. It's a beautiful area. It's a whole part of the city where the church where he preached and the firehouse he used to hang out in. And, um, he was a very, he was very focused on Christian love as a motivation for the injustice he was fighting for. And he even had a, a, a lot of respect for, um, for Gandhi and others that weren't Christians, but where he saw Christ-like love and forgiveness and mercy and nonviolence. So again, it's, it's, we, we, love has to be primary if you're going to be doing the way Jesus says you do. Any concluding thoughts or questions in the last two minutes? I believe we are. Next week is. Yes, we are. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Bye, everyone. I'm sitting with my PEA sleeve on. <laughs>